Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, March 26th, just one day after the highest number of deaths were recorded here in the United States from COVID-19. 223 people died in our nation yesterday. And here in Colorado, we are on day one of a statewide stay-at-home order in effect for at least the next 15 days, if not longer. As you know, as COVID cases are escalating in the United States, we are following a familiar pattern that we've seen played out in Asia and Europe. The number of very sick people is beginning to place significant stress on hospitals in certain locations. We're hearing today and over the last few days that there's a shortage of ventilators in key outbreak locations like New York and Washington State. Well, this ventilator shortage is a trend we've been watching from afar as it happened in Italy and Spain, and it's still happening there, and now it's beginning here. I've heard and received recordings from doctors in these countries who are brokenhearted. They are stressed beyond prior imagination, just trying to do their best to provide care to their patients. But the reality is they say it's like a war zone. There's just an unmanageable number of patients coming in to be seen, and they simply don't have the doctors or the beds or the ventilators. They don't have the physical space and the materials to provide care for the sick. It's truly heartbreaking to hear the anguish in their voices and to see it in their eyes. They are men and women who've devoted their lives to healing the sick and they cannot offer care to everyone. In Spain, reports are coming out that ventilators are not being provided to patients who are over 65 years old. Reports out of Italy say that in some places, it's not for patients who are 60 years or older. Well, yesterday in an emergency room, um, a doctor by the name of Colleen Smith, she's there in New York City at Elmhurst Hospital. She took her iPhone through the emergency room and filmed what the re, what reality looks like for her there. There at Elmhurst Hospital, 13 patients died from COVID-19 in one 24-hour span. I will link her story as well as everything else I reference in this episode in my show notes. But listening to Dr. Colleen Smith was so sad. And in fact, it was really pretty scary. She reports that in our own nation, even here, even in the US, the need for care is outpacing our capacity for care. And her reality, the reality for New York, for Washington, and likely for the rest of us in the coming days, that there is not enough medical equipment to care for the truly sick. Even here in Colorado, our governor said yesterday, at the peak of the crisis, we expect that we will need thousands more hospital beds. So that's the issue I want to visit today on all things. What should we do as a society when the need for medical care outweighs the capacity? How are we going to answer this pressing question? Who gets the care? And who determines who gets to answer that question? It's a serious ethical and moral dilemma, and it's right here. It's right now. It's not out there. It's not philosophical. This is our reality. Who is going to get the care? Well, in order to kind of answer that question, I wanted to look at some of the guidelines that I've seen being used here in the United States and some that were being used in Europe. In Italy, doctors have been largely instructed to consider using utilitarian principles to decide who gets the care. So that looks like maximizing overall health by providing care to those most likely to benefit the most from it. So in other words, if you have one ventilator, it should go to the patient who is more likely to survive for the longest time. The utilitarian approach determines who's going to benefit the most, and it goes with that. That means care doesn't go to the patient necessarily admitted first, which would be one ethical approach, and it means that care would not be assigned through a lottery system. That's another approach. The utilitarian approach in Italy, and it sounds like what's going on in Spain as well, is to provide care to those who are younger and most likely to survive. 
The New England Journal of Medicine published a paper this past Monday offering ways that doctors might apply ethical principles to rationing medical care during this pandemic. The options that were outlined in the paper are also largely utilitarian, favoring those who um, favoring those that have the best prospects for the longest remaining life. The article says, and I'm quoting here, maximizing benefits requires consideration of prognosis, how long the patient is likely to live if treated, which may mean giving priority to younger patients and those with fewer coexisting conditions. So in other words, care would be prioritized for people who are most likely to recover if they are treated. This approach obviously favors the young and the generally healthy, and it elevates the value of preserving a young life so that the patient might go on to have a long and full life. So that New England Journal of Medicine paper goes on to say, and I'm quoting here, we believe that removing a patient from a ventilator or an ICU bed to provide it to others in need is also justifiable and that patients should be made aware of this possibility at admission. Undoubtedly, withdrawing ventilators or ICU support from patients who arrived earlier to save those with a better prognosis will be extremely psychologically traumatic for clinicians, and some clinicians might refuse to do so. However, many guidelines agree that the decision to withdraw a scarce resource to save others is not an act of killing and does not require the patient's consent. We agree with these guidelines that it is the ethical thing to do. So in other words, that paper is saying if somebody comes in to get help and they're on a ventilator, but another person comes in afterwards and they have a better prognosis, they're more likely to live a longer, fuller life after that first patient, then the ventilator can be taken from the first patient and given to the second. In addition, that paper encourages prioritizing the health of frontline healthcare workers to maximize the number of lives that can be saved as we go on through this crisis. So similar thing coming out of Washington State last Wednesday, March 18th, 280 doctors participated in a conference call to discuss possible the possible necessity across their state of rationing healthcare, rationing ventilators for coronavirus patients. And the CEO of the Washington State Hospital Association, her name is Cassie Sauer, she said plainly, and I quote, if you are above a certain age and we have a shortage of ventilators, you don't get one. Well, beyond New York and Washington, all states here in the United States are now reevaluating and revisiting our standards of care plans. And so the media is beginning to learn more about what these different state standards are, and they're sharing them in the headlines. And here are a couple that were just especially startling to me. For example, in Alabama, the Alabama um, standards of care says that people with severe or profound intellectual disabilities are unlikely candidates for ventilator support. Tennessee says people with spinal muscular atrophy who need assistance with activities of daily living can be denied critical care. As you might imagine, as these conversations are happening amongst doctors and inside hospitals, well, we are all having varying reactions. One obvious criticism of those above standards and what we're hearing out of New York and Washington and Alabama and Tennessee, one obvious criticism is that imposing these kinds of guidelines, these utilitarian guidelines in the United States would be a direct violation of civil rights. Lawyers from the Freedom of Conscious Defense Fund and the Thomas More Society legal groups say federal law requires that decisions regarding the critical care of patients during the current crisis not discriminate on the basis of disability or age. In this respect, anticipated longevity or quality of life are inappropriate issues for consideration. Decisions must be made solely on clinical factors as to which patients have the greatest need and the best prospect of a good medical outcome. Therefore, disability and age 
should not be used as a categorical as categorical exclusions in making these critical decisions. So clearly, these lawyers are coming out on the side saying, "Hey, these state guidelines these are in opposition to the civil rights that we triumph here in the United States." One ethicist I read, which again I'll link it in the show notes, he says, "Even in a crisis, authorities should not abandon non-discrimination by permitting clinicians to discriminate against those who require more resources, perhaps more lives would be saved." But, he says, the ranks of the survivors would look very different, biased toward those who lacked disabilities before the pandemic. Equity would have been sacrificed in the name of efficiency. I just think that's such a powerful sentence. Do we want to sacrifice equity in the name of efficiency? That really is the bottom line question. So that ethicist goes on to argue for a first come first serve approach to providing care. He argues that ventilators should not be saved for those who are young and not disabled. He says ventilators should not be used in the name of efficiency, but they should just be used on a first come first serve basis. Under that ethic, fewer lives might be saved. I think that's true. Fewer lives might be saved if we do it that way. Indeed, someone who needs a ventilator for a longer amount of time could very well prohibit two people who would need it for a shorter period of time. But that ethic does protect the disabled. It does convey that there's a value for the disabled life and the older life and a commitment to non-discrimination. So the question here in the United States is, are we truly committed to civil rights? If we really are committed to civil rights, then equal care should be provided to the aged and to the disabled. Well, as I look at what different countries and different states are doing in the face of this crisis and this shortage of equipment, I don't pretend to have any of the answers. My heart is just breaking for our doctors and nurses and those on the front lines. These are immeasurably difficult days and my heart goes out to them. But here are a couple things that keep going through my mind. As I weigh these headlines, as I navigate the news that we don't have enough ventilators for everybody who's going to need them, here's kind of what's going through my mind. The first thing is that as Christians, we must affirm the dignity and sanctity of every single human life. No matter the age, the ability, the nationality, the socioeconomic status, as Christians, we stand firmly and unwaveringly on the truth that all life is valuable. We believe that it is God who gives life and breath and everything else. We believe that human life is sacred, that it's unique, that it belongs to God, our creator. And so as followers of Jesus and believers in the Bible, we say without apology that every single life is significant, irreplaceable, and worthy of every protection. So that's the main thing I keep thinking. But closely on the heels of that thought, I'm thinking about how our society already has a ton of practice in prioritizing lives. We've already been doing this. Our nation has already deemed some lives worth living and others worth casting off or prematurely ending. For example, we've enshrined abortion. We've made it legal even up to the moment of birth in many states. And so this is an instance where we already have practice saying this mother's life matters more than this baby's life. We've said in our laws that the mother gets to determine if the baby should live. Another place we're already doing this is in the legality of assisted suicide. In this way, we have said, and not too quietly, we've said to the disabled and to the aged that their condition, which is terminal and painful, isn't worth enduring. In fact, that condition is a burden. Their lives take a lot of money and a lot of manpower to keep going. And really, they're in just a lot of pain and they don't have a quality of life. They're a burden to society. They're taking away from our greater good. And so we've sort of morphed this 
right to die in a horrific way into the duty to die. There's just this overwhelming sense in our country that really only the young and healthy and quote productive members of our society really have value. So my fear and my great grief in these days of needing to ration care in the face of COVID is that we've already said as a nation, we've already communicated and enshrined in our laws that we prioritize the young and the healthy. We have already practiced elevating the young and healthy above others. And so that's what's really worrying me as to how these convictions are going to play out as we treat those with COVID. And my heart is heavy for my friends who are disabled, who suffer chronic health conditions, my friends and family who are older, how it must pain them to keep hearing over and over in subtle and not so subtle ways that they are expendable. So what can we do? Honestly, I don't have an answer for that. For those of us who are not doctors or lawmakers or hospital administrators, this feels very much outside of our hands. My desire for this episode really is just to raise awareness. This crisis makes glaringly obvious how we've decided already in the past to value life as a nation, and it's very troubling. In addition to raising awareness, I'm just prompted to pray for my friends who are in healthcare, as I know they are facing these decisions, and it prompts me to pray for healthcare workers everywhere who are immersed in what feels like a war zone. I just pray that the Holy Spirit would be present, giving wisdom from above, helping doctors make excruciating decisions in the midst of the unthinkable. And it prompts me to remember that we need Christians in this field. We need Christian doctors and Christian nurses. We need followers of Christ providing care to our nation, and I'm praying even now for all of the medical students who go to my church for their future roles in our world. And I'm prompted to have compassion for my friends who suffer various health conditions, to reach out to them and voice my care, to speak on their behalf, to speak loudly on their behalf and remind the world that their lives are invaluable. So as I read the headlines and navigate the news, I pray that we Americans will be found on the side of life, on the side of the weak, on the side of equality, on the side of the rights endowed to all humans on behalf of our creator. And finally, before closing, friends, I just want to remind your soul and mine that our hope does not rest on the strength of our healthcare system or the number of ventilators in our state or whether or not we get COVID. Our hope doesn't rest on the laws of the lands, the decisions of doctors, the decisions of policymakers. Our hope doesn't rest on the brevity of this pandemic or the resources that we have to navigate it. Our hope rests in Jesus who died and rose again, Jesus who conquered sin and the grave for us, Jesus who sits even now at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us, Jesus who gave us the Holy Spirit who lives in us and comforts us and helps us. So our hope yet lives and it's in the person of Jesus. You and I who are in his hands can never be snatched away and we have an eternal inheritance that awaits us. Well, until then, may we be found faithful. May we weigh out these questions and these important issues. May we bring them to God in prayer. May we be found loving God and loving neighbor. Thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. 